step back take a breather figure out who you are what you want to be and is this the legacy that you're building for yourself Hi, I'm Kavalo Broy and this is Design This Way. On today's episode, I have with me Anant Ahuja. Anant is a creative entrepreneur and design evangelist from New Delhi. He started his first company Inchworks at the age of 23, and in fact, he is among the few young design entrepreneurs that I know personally from India. Currently, he is uh, the co-founder of the Irregulars Art Fair and creative agency called Bakheda. On today's episode, we talk about Anand's journey as a designer and about the ventures he started and his opinion on design entrepreneurship. Anand also shares with us his personal tips on networking, time management and work-life balance. Now, I present Anand Ahuja. Hi Anant, welcome to the podcast. Hey Kaval, thanks for having me uh, on your podcast and spending Valentine's evening with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's such a perfect day to uh, know, record been, a podcast. I've been waiting for this day for a while <laughs> <laughs> to spend this day with you. <laughs> well, let's get started. Yeah. So you grew up in Rajori Garden, Delhi, and uh, it is a <laughs> locality that's filled with Punjabis and predominantly Sikhs. And uh, apart from the things you will do in the school, what would young Ananta who just spend his time on? While I was growing up, first of all, I told you about my complex of not being a sadar around so many sadars. <laughs> For me, it was like, why do I not have a pug? Why am I not a sadar and everybody around me is a sadar? Uh, so that kind of uh, you know made me feel iffy about who am I. what is my identity while growing up <laughs> apart from that i was uh, i had to say i was quite a hustler when i was a teenager uh-huh. i really wanted to make money mm-hmm. so i'd go around pick up gigs that were not meant for children but i still kind of enjoyed them which mm-hmm. was i'd say not legal for my age but i was doing club promotions at the age of 15 oh which was great it went pretty well as a business i was filling up <laughs> nightclubs with people <laughs> wow So that was my side hustle while I was in school mm-hmm. because every friend of mine had a phone you know in 10th grade and I was like I also want a phone but my parents were like we are middle class we don't have any money <laughs> on such luxuries that we can spend for you right so you got to figure your own shit out and that's when I started hustling and um they were pretty fruitful I have to say I was able to buy a phone for myself at the age of 16 oh Wow. which felt pretty good you know you, when you can buy things with your own money and hide them also at the same time right it was a good kick right right so, and in yeah. my research i found that your uncle is a dj from 90s early 90s yeah and you grew up in the same house with him yes right what kind of impact did he have on you i think for me that was my only you know outlet to the world Mm-hmm. When you grow up in a setting where you know you don't have much of an exposure, uh, for me, hanging out with him, going out to these clubs with him, 
right. was the best thing that could happen. The kind mm-hmm. of people that I met, the kind of relationships that I built back then, right. uh, also, you know, kind of pushed me to become who I am today. Right. To be a b- bit more vocal, to be able to have conversations with right. people and not shy away. And just because of him, like the kind of clothes that he'd wear. Yeah, it's the, a cool thing to be a DJ yeah. at that time. Dude, he had purple hair in the 90s. Oh my God. So I was just like shell-shocked first of all. I was like, who is this guy? How does he, like, how does he even manage to do that? <laughs> how does he pull this off? Right. Um, and his sneakers, obviously my obsession with sneakers also started back then. Oh, okay. yeah, I see. And after your high school, you decided to pursue a degree in computer graphic design from Wanganui School of Design from New Zealand, right? Yeah. How did you make that decision? Because uh, from whatever I understand that you weren't making things that were considered artsy per se, right? No, no, no. I was not even remotely. Um, <laughs> all I was good at was drawing uh, basketball figures or basketball shoes uh, on the back of my notebooks. Yeah, that's where um, we all start. That's that's where most of the people start. But yeah. again, it wasn't like a thing that I had thought of that I'd be doing it. Right. Mostly, as I said, I was this kid who just, you know, kind of go out every night. <laughs> My parents thought that I was spiraling out of control and they wanted to send me abroad and just like figure your shit out. Don't come back. <laughs> Understand how responsibilities work. Uh so they, they kind of pushed me and they were like, see what you want to do, understand what you, you know, what this life is all about. And they took me to this, um, you know, one of those things where there's like a lot of international colleges from Australia, New Zealand oh, come yeah. down. I, I gather that you went to a convention, that's what Yeah, yeah it was right? one of those. Right. Like, go check this out, check that out. And this happened to be one of those schools. Uh, one thing that kind of attracted me towards the school was um, a teacher who was there representing the school and he was working at Veta Digital. Okay. Veta Digital is the company that has made Lord of the Rings, King Kong. Ah, I see. Like, Sir Peter Jackson. And I was like, oh my God, this is a thing. Maybe I could get into this. But like, so there were a bunch of things. Um, I was looking at Studio Recording Arts in Canada, which mm. is like a music production, like a production school okay, in so general. Okay, so the state was still open. Like, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. It was still open. Uh, again, my mind was kind of tilting towards becoming a music producer and a DJ because I already had somebody in my house uh, mm-hmm. that I could look up to and kind of take some inspiration from. Right. Uh, but at the same time, you know, financial restrictions, right. taking a loan, what can happen, what can't happen. And New Zealand seemed to be a more viable option at that point in time. Right. And the school looked interesting. The kind of work that they showcased. This was the, you know, most visual thing that was coming at me and it attracted me towards it. Uh, so I was like, okay, let's let's see how this goes. And I applied and I got through for mm-hmm. some reason, I don't know how. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it turned out to be pretty okay, I feel. <laughs> what kind of uh, curriculum did you have in the school? It was a very interesting mix of things. Um, so when I got there, first of all, I'd never switched on a computer in my life. I was not a computer person before that. Computer uh. was... Computers. <laughs> That's what yeah, it was for me. things on that. Yeah, and uh, and then there was a Mac in front of me, not even like a regular PC. So first day I was like, how do you switch this thing on? Where's the button to switch this thing on? Uh, it was a big culture shock. You know, you're 17 and you've gone to a country that you don't know anything about and you were at a design school that you had never imagined in your life yeah. you'd be sitting in. Um, first of all, I didn't understand what I'd be studying. First year, all I wanted to do was animation. Mm-hmm. And all I got to study was color theory, 
you know uh, do experiments with stupid things draw and draw play with pixels and i used to hate it i'm like <laughs> why am i doing this i should be making king kong but <laughs> yeah, yeah just fast forward to it to that yeah just like make me do something that's more interesting <laughs> than playing with colors um right. so first year was mostly foundation understanding you know what is it that i'm doing what is going to happen in the coming semester mm-hmm. um learning art history attending drawing classes right it was like i was getting really iffy and first 6 months were really hard because i'd never dealt with this kind of education system before i was you know used to being treated or being spoon fed like here do this right and this will be the outcome ah i see and there you just like left astray you have to be at the college at 9 am <laughs> I don't know how to deal with this. Right. Um so 6 months were a little hard and after that I actually started taking interest. Mostly it was by copying things from the internet like not copying for my assignment was like you're looking at tutorials, playing around with the pen tool, yeah. asking people questions. Uh so I was living in the student accommodation and there were like a lot of senior uh students who were living there, mostly Asian kids. and i would just like go around hang out with them and grasp as much as possible so i think more than school the first 6 months was more about grasping what they are doing maybe i could pick something up because then i felt really lost so like i'm not doing animation yeah. i'm learning color theory <laughs> yeah um but second semester onwards they introduced cgd which was computer graphic design as a subject right. as a class where you had to work on the computer and remember this very interesting assignment that we had we had to use the word fake f a k e mm-hmm. and come up with an illustration name that illustration something could be anything mm. so i i can't remember what i i made like a a dragon a dinosaur or something and i named it something kachina illinois that's what i remember k e <laughs> that's what this stood for f a i can't remember and that's where i used the pen tool the most right it kind of intrigued me to understand what is illustrator Mm. Then I started doing stupid experiments with my own photos. I traced my photos, mm. uh, and I was like, "I'm gonna nail this pen tool and make the best curves possible." <laughs> right. Uh, that's where it took off. Second year onwards, I had completely fallen in love with uh, illustration. I took up an illustration class in an elective. I had a really interesting teacher, Tanya, who was crazy. She had synesthesia, which is she could taste oh. colors, and I had somebody in my class also who had the same thing, and. I, This just opened up a world for me. I was like, I want to know what you guys are feeling. Mm. Uh, plus, she was just crazy. She had rabbits. She had all kinds of interesting dogs. Uh, and there was this art history teacher, Lynn. She was crazy. She made uh, like plaster of Paris molds of her own body, oh. which was crazy. I was just exposed to this kind of a thing <laughs> for the first time. I was like, who are these people? And that's. Cool. I want to do this too. Yeah. Somebody from Rajoli Garden then getting precisely. <laughs> My knowledge was Rajma Chawal. <laughs> Damn. And after your graduation from Wanganui, you yeah. joined Sachi and Sachi in India, which is one of the advertisement giants, right? Yeah. How did you decide to join an ad agency? Was it one of the your dominant interests or interesting story? So while I was in my third year I took a trip to Wellington which is another big city in New Zealand um with By the a couple where is old zealand uh, I wish I knew but okay. I know new for sure that's uh, right below australia <laughs> <laughs> um horrible people going to hate me 
ओके वेल कमिंग बैक टू दिस सिटी वेलिंगटन इन न्यूजीलैंड नॉट ओल्ड जीलैंड वेलिंगटन इज अ मच बिगर सिटी इट्स मोर मल्टी कल्चरल इट्स कैन लाइक वॉट मुंबई इज एंड वी जस्ट हैपन टू पॉप बाई एंड वी वर इन द फाइनेंशियल डिस्ट्रिक्ट वी वर लुकिंग एट बंच ऑफ ऑफिस एंड वी सॉ साची इन साची एंड वी हेट सीन टू पीपल हु आर एक्स साची साची प्रजेंट एट दिस डिजाइन कॉन्फ्रेंस कॉल्ड सेमी परमानेंट दैट यूज टू हैपन इन न्यूजीलैंड and i was like okay let's just go and see what their office look pretty swanky right so like, oh, let's go check it out my friend ryan and i um, went upstairs and at that point in time uh, there was something happening inside so that they could they couldn't let us in but the receptionist gave me a note on a sachin sachi piece of paper saying that if you go to the auckland office show it to them they'll give you a proper office tour and make you understand the kind of work that they do i was like Yes, mm. I'm going to do this. And next time I was in Auckland, I went to the Sachin Sachi office in Auckland, and I was blown away. So New Zealand as a country, because you know, small population, zero celebrities, they yeah. rely on a lot of creativity. They rely on a lot of original ideas to sell their products. Yeah, there's nothing. Imagine all you think of when you think of New Zealand is sheep. Yeah, the ratio is one is to four. <laughs> yeah, and it, that's where most of the experiments. for the world happen like if you want to launch a new technology because the population is so small you can test it out ah i see so everything is very experimental from your design to your the advertising scene the marketing scene it's pretty off the charts um i don't know too many people from new zealand uh an interesting guy who's a graduate from my school is chris sawsby the guy who runs klim type foundry oh okay i see yeah mm. So by my third year I had gotten to know all of these things and my first internship while I was in my second year was uh, my typography lecturer only referred me to this glass artist called Claudia Burella mm-hmm. she's a very well renowned glass artist from Brisbane uh, and she happens to run this thing called New Zealand Society of Artists in Glass NZSAG that's super niche Yeah yeah and uh, Banganui this town that I was in had uh, the oldest uh, glass studios in New Zealand uh, so it was like a very artsy scene Robust to be a part of very small town 40000 population right and out of 40000 3000 were artists so and you were a part yeah. of that scene right yeah. and so sachin sachi happened then i was like okay i want to work at sachin sachi at some point in my life because i'm just blown away by the kind of work that they do i got back um, Kunal guy who runs Animal right um i happened to be in touch with him while i was in new zealand when i got back he didn't know who i was like he had never seen me but we had collaborated on a bunch of projects while i was there so i was like hey i'm back uh, i'm looking for opportunities do you have something in mind and he's like hey i am thinking of joining this agency i can refer you to the executive creative director do you want to go meet her and i met her i didn't even know what this agency was at that point in time mm-hmm. and i met this person priti she seemed really nice she was like i'm also joining them now and i'm building a team it's going to be an all star team kunal is joining this guy avid who's from amsterdam wyden he's joining there's this guy rochir who's from paris ogilvy and i was like oh my god i'm going to be working with such cool people yeah. i didn't even know who these people were but just the names kind of <laughs> pushed me in that zone i was like okay okay yes 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 i'll do it mm-hmm. and that's how sachi happened ah So it was just sales pitch that you Yeah yeah I I bought into the sales pitch basically <laughs> that's exactly I didn't know what kind of work Sachi and Sachi was doing in India right I was just enamored by the names and the people right and how was your experience like there <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's a it's a pretty intense one um second day 
at work i was in the office till 3 am mm. uh first day i was you know hoping i'll go to the office i'll get to meet people i'll talk to you know interesting designers and understand what's happening but there was like a huge segregation of this is creative department this is client servicing this is where the boss sits figure your shit out that's how it is and i was thrown in the deep end like on the first day itself i was introduced to a client some internal program had to be designed for go do it anant <laughs> save the account wow um and within a month and a half i had finished all the collaterals for uh, this mammoth of a brand mm-hmm. uh but it was really interesting to understand how the operations work like i grabbed how these people are trying to make the client understand what i am doing but they're not doing it properly right. and i should intervene and uh, being the bridge being the bridge and within 3 months i was like hey guys this is not cool you guys are throwing me in the deep end every day either give me a raise or i'm going to bounce <laughs> <laughs> okay and did and you bounce or no i got a raise oh great <laughs> and 6 months passed and i was like okay and how long did you work 6 months 6 months that was quite short period i yeah. just couldn't i realized that i can't survive in this kind of an environment where creativity is the last thing that you have to think of it's more about get done with this and move on mm. and i was like i'm really new to this maybe at some point this might be my thought process but right now i really want to do work. right i mean there is always this age for different kind of <clears throat> things to do and yeah. once you get to do uh the actual creative work as we call it yeah it becomes easier for you to do that and then you can focus on other things like yeah. selling it yeah which will come to yeah and after such and such you joined airboot and uh, i was trying to read more about them as mm. per their online description airboot is an intelligent customer experience platform which uses natural language processing and machine learning to automatically identify customers who need engagement I understand that sentence but uh, I didn't understand the meaning and what exactly it is they're doing. So uh, can you explain that and what was your role in Airboot? <laughs> uh so this also is a very interesting segue into how that happened. I was actually dealing with this uh, lady her name is Antya. She's German. She's just moved back and uh, Antya was starting a design agency in Delhi and she wanted me to do the branding for the company that she was starting. it was called grasping in the dark very funny name oh okay once that happened she was really happy with the work that i had done and she was like let me introduce you to my husband mm. saurabh and saurabh happened to be the founder for evoot evoot is essentially a social media customer help desk okay so i see to now, make it now and yeah mintra yeah. wants to talk to its customers mintra will have evoot uh-huh. which will which will raise tickets if i have a problem with mintra right just giving an example nothing right, against right. mintra or anything yeah get it uh so uh, that's what they did and uh, my role with them was not of a designer they were like we really like your work we really want you to continue what you do for mm-hmm. other people also but at the same time we have some kind of creative requirements first of all it's our own branding we are not in a hurry we have a decent identity system but we want to kind of reiterate it make it better uh-huh. have uh-huh. a brand system in place so you were almost like an internal brand designer for them yes that's mm-hmm. what i was uh and my role was of an entrepreneur in house at evoot where i get to work with them for them and at the same time have my own clients to work with if i want that sounds have like a dream job too. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it gave me that job gave me wings man that job made me realize what I wanted to do. Mm. And around that time you were turning 23 you were almost like 23 I guess. Yeah. And 
at that age you decided to start your own design shop inchworks yes and which is crazy to think about like uh, because yeah i mean i've heard some entrepreneurs start a thing at 23 mm. i think ashwini started uh, elephant design with her friends at 23 mm. but those were the days when they she, there were no other avenues mm, mm, mm. and so on but what made you decide to start on your own mm. and at that age uh, while i was at i would as i said i was the entrepreneur in house for me i had decided some milestones uh, like Six months from now, I will contribute towards the rent. Two months from there on, I will start paying for the office boy. Also, I will have contributions from my end so that I understand what does it feel to be like a real entrepreneur rather than you know just having a title. At Airwood. At Airwood. Interesting. Um, and when I had my first two interns as a part of my entrepreneur in house at right. Airwood. uh i was like okay i think i'm getting the hang of it i might be interested in this you know thing full time and i was working with a lot of musicians i was working with a lot of uh, agencies that were representing musicians i was doing a lot of corporate branding not corporate branding i'd say corporate identities design mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i was doing a lot of book covers a lot of illustration work i was trying to figure out what i really wanted to get out of this and i spent about a year and 3 months at ibut and when when it got done i realized i was ready met some really interesting people during that course of time and opened a lot of avenues for me i was being published mm-hmm. everywhere people wanted to work with me and i was like okay i think this is the right time to this do this is it. the right time Mm. and that's when i decided i'm going to do it i got a really big client in hyderabad uh, which paid me a shit ton of money but how did you get that one client that Because one generally it is true that when you're starting your own design shop the mm-hmm. first thing you should look for is a client that one big client one big client that will help you build something much bigger than what you are thinking of right and give you fuel to run yeah yeah give yeah. you fuel to run that's a good side note for the listeners that hunt for that one big client yes that one big opportunity is something that you have to be very careful with mm-hmm. be very insightful of why is this happening and what can i do with this that happened through again as i said i was meeting a lot of people a lot of doors and avenues were opening and as i said i was working with uh, some uh, musicians and agencies that were representing musicians they happened to put me in touch with these people that they were doing some festivals with uh huh and the people who were doing these festivals also happened to have a lot of property in hyderabad and when they saw my work when the kind of work that i was doing they were like hey would you like to come and see us meet us we'd like to fly you down and make you understand i'm like yes client wants to fly me down okay that let's sounds like <laughs> a client that who has a lot of money yeah let's mm. do it um, yeah. went there met them really nice people were willing to do a lot of interesting things they were like you take full creative control over what you want and this guy was really young that i was dealing with he was the son uh-huh. of the family uh-huh. uh my age only 23 24 mm. he wanted to do something different so i was like okay cool let's do it mm. and that's how the first project happened it's called leo meridian infrastructures private limited they had a bunch of hotels ah but like thing that people generally do and do hmm. wrong or right whatever but uh, whenever you get your first client people lowball at that time hmm. they do not uh, dare to charge much right hmm. yeah and you end up learning from your previous experience in agencies hmm. etc that how much to be charged yeah. and how you can command that price hmm. how did you figure out that so you know, as i said entrepreneur in residence 
was my title and uh, while i was there at airwood a lot of tech startups there would be tech meetups and i'd go and present my work i'd go to nokri.com show my work and there'd be a lot of people who'd come to me and you know ask right. me how much do you generally charge and i'll come up with a vague number because i also wasn't sure if this is the right thing to be doing mm-hmm. and once i got two three clients which were willing to pay me in lakhs right i'm like okay theek hai now you can just speculate the situation right and say the number mm. if it happens great if it doesn't happen then you negotiate mm. you've thrown the ball in the other person's court it's as simple as that uh for the international listeners lack is currency 100000 100000 yeah, yeah it's a currency domination that we use right yeah okay and uh, why did you choose the name inchworks what's the <laughs> inchwork <laughs> yeah um we were struggling with names we had to come up with a name i've always had we troubles. would be uh... we would be like all the people that were working with me okay uh, so you, we were thinking we were just like you know you started with some friends like what did you join no, them no no they were not uh, like partners they were more like people that were working with me my colleagues yeah, right uh and they happened to become family mm. over the years and uh, we were just sitting and again there were we, i was young so imagine these people were younger than me uh uh we were sitting then we were like what could be the name man what could be the name and there was a ruler like <laughs> right next to us <laughs> wow inspiration comes and somebody said yeah. we'll move inch by inch like it works inch by inch and i was like inch work uh, inch works okay it's yes yeah. that's how it Let's works go for it <laughs> and we weren't really concerned about we like we'll do our best work here name everybody can have a name yeah you have to put the equity in that name yeah but the name should have a power to hold that equity yeah i think with within a year and a half people realized what inch work was at that point in time mm. because i was really aggressive with the work Uh, uh i yeah. went all out how was the first uh, few months and or let's say first year of the company like first year started with a bang as i said a really big project came our way where we had to brand four hotels mm. and we had to travel a lot we had to understand how hospitality works we had to do a lot of research work we had to work with architects we had to work with spatial designers we had to understand how the inner workings of a hotel are like that's when i truly understood mm. what a hotel is all about i thought hotel was all like they only do fancy things but right. what goes on at the back is just insane the amount of work that they put in the kind of shifts that they work what is pleasant what is not pleasant yeah and that opened up my eyes so that's when i started respecting business more <laughs> right before that it was all about design it wasn't about business right 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 and uh, that that project turned out really well uh that happened and airbnb well, yeah. happened to us which was the best thing that could happen all of a sudden what did you just go you do you have any idea i don't remember who put through them, a reference or something through a reference okay. for sure i can't remember who it was somebody referred them to us they came to the office they were like we have a very tiny budget mm-hmm. we aren't you know officially launching in india yet we haven't gotten the licenses uh we are from the asia pacific team but we want to you know do this event with isec and uh, we'd like for you to come up with some interesting ideas and that was the most fun project that i've done in my life where we went all out man like imagine making you know belo right belo the name yeah, of the yeah the belo is their uh, the, logo the symbol the symbol we made jalebis with that 
ஒருத்தர் and there were a bunch of people who were sponsors and Airbnb had happened to be one of the sponsors mm-hmm. for that event so mm-hmm. Airbnb wanted some presence generally at these kind of events you know when a corporate brand is there they put up a stall give out pens give out diaries right it's done and i was like first of all you don't even have the budgets to do that secondly if we are to do this we have to do something that's more insightful and is going to kind of cater to the audience that we are working with yeah, which is younger people yeah more memorable also because yeah. the, at the end of it it uh, the outcome of this kind of exercise is that people remember remember what airbnb yeah. is right and um, it was just two weeks of madness after that limited budget have to figure out day after day there's a new thing happening what do we do that day what do we do that day and throughout at the venue what can we do that's lo-fi but at the same time has kind of an impact yeah um, low budget maximum impact kind of thing yeah so first day was this you know 2000 people going to uh, some auditorium in delhi university and then they'd be talking about and these were people from all around the world not just mm-hmm. india mm-hmm. um again spent the night in the office till 1 am thinking kya kar sakte hain what can we do like right peanuts 50000 rupees what will we do for 2000 people and 50000 oh. rupees oh my god and that's when the idea struck me i was like have you guys realized that the logo looks like a jalebi <laughs> for non indian listeners jalebi non indian or like i think jalebi is they are in middle east and other places yeah also. i think it is but yeah. jalebi is basically um, it's a dessert fried donut But, but in a very it's not a donut it's, it's like a, a crispy kind of thing um, uh, like it's shaped like pretzel sort of yeah. thing but uh, you should just google it i'll yeah. just leave a link in the podcast yeah. yes and uh, it's an interesting mix of flavors because it's got sweet spices and a lot of people yeah. are not well versed with those spices yeah so we packed like we got four imarti/jalebis with some khoya in a proper bikaner dabba but we printed the dabbas also with uh-huh. airbnb stories put them in a paper box and gave it out to everyone at that event everybody had pens diaries and when they opened this the kind of reactions even if they were disgusted <laughs> by the taste they were like oh my god what is this yeah. what have you made us eat so that was really memorable you know this is where the design or yeah. advertisement sort of thinking comes into place yeah that where you are able to leverage in less money such a memorable experience yes. right yeah precisely and it was really insightful for them also that like oh what Okay how could we not think of this mm. and because it was one of those projects that i knew will help us pivot the nc's name and our direction into mm. something much bigger i took it heads on i was like even if i have to get on the stage and talk about airbnb i'll be more than happy to do so mm. i see because this is me doing something much bigger than i had thought of and we also made these passports because there were international uh, uh, people attending the conference so for all the 2000 attendees we made these really beautiful booklets that had the daily schedule of what's mm-hmm. going to happen every day some interesting activities some things that we had planned out every day but a diary also because why not give them a diary if you can but an uh, interesting thing uh, plus we also gave them stickers from their nationalities that they could exchange with other people and put them in their passports with their names on them so everybody had custom stickers of their flags within the belo masked to give out to people so these are like small things that are like 
just a little bit of insight and they worked. We ended up doing this wall, which was like, again, low budget, lo-fi, a flex wall with sensors behind it, uh, where you could touch some of the countries and it'll give you a word from that country every day for the next 10 days while the conference was on. Leaving all of this in this budget is crazy. I, I just, I was like, even if I don't make money on this, mm. this is going to be one of those projects that people will remember. Mm. It'll turn the way people look at us as a company. Mm. And that's exactly what happened. At that venue itself, when people saw the work, other companies who were sponsoring that event, they were like, hey, can we have your business card? I didn't even have business cards then. <laughs> Interesting. So like, and the small little things, and we collaborated. We mm. went all out in terms of collab. It's not like we had the capabilities to do all of this. Uh, we got so many people involved. We were working with uh, this place called Banana House. I don't know if this still exists, but it was like a maker's space. They did the tech bit for the wall. Uh, we collaborated with Studio Wood. We did a one-off Airbnb within the hotel next to the pool. Mm. Uh, like a chill out space for people. Uh, okay. Made out of bamboo completely. So it was fun wow. things. This is like also redefining your agency in a way. Yeah. 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 So you ran Inchworks for two years and after that you closed it down. Yes. How did that happen? I think after a year of it going places, us doing a lot of work, I started realizing that I was kind of shifting from, you know, thinking of ideas, doing things, designing things. I was doing more admin stuff, you know, hiring. <laughs> That's typical uh, problem of somebody running an agency. That, yeah, that happens. which I had never accounted for or even thought of that this mm. could be a thing. For me, I was like, I want to do something of my own and mm. I will do it. Didn't know how, had zero knowledge of how a business is run. Mm. And then one year into the business, I started having these problems. And that's when, you know, a big downer kind of hit me. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't, I'm not liking this. I'm not thoroughly enjoying this. I'm getting big projects. I'm working with the biggest of the companies around the world. Mm -hmm. uh, but is this something that I really want to do? Again, that same thing while I was at Saatchi and Saatchi. Is this the right time for me to be doing this? Ah, I see. Am I, am I putting my skills uh, in the right direction? Like, I'm, mm -hmm. am I actually utilizing them for the right thing? Or you're just transitioning to a business owner. Yeah, like I, I felt I was becoming, you know, this person who'd go in in the morning and do accounts and, you know, take attendance, <laughs> mind the class, be the monitor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the graphic designer inside me was just like dying a slow death. Uh, and I wasn't ready for it. I was like, I have so much to see. I have so much to do. I don't think I'm ready to do this at this point in time. And... It was really sad. It felt really bad. It felt like, you know, when you have a child of your own, yeah. no matter how bad or good the child is, it is your child. And quitting doesn't feel that good. If you take it like quitting, then it doesn't. Then it's yeah. like a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. But with time, as I said, I was really aggressive in my approach at that time. Mm. And for me to let go also was so hard. It was so hard. I was devastated. I was like, I don't know, what will I do next? Mm -hmm. But how was a day like that you decided to... It wasn't a day. It was a slow process. I, I'd say six months. Mm. Of contemplation. Of contemplation. Like It happened to me after I made some really bad hiring decisions, expansion decisions. Expansion decisions like? Uh, I, I was really stupid. Didn't realize that if I take up an office, I have to pay rent also. <laughs> <laughs> 
surprise. Surprise, surprise. So we already had, and for some stupid reason, I wanted to be in the best places anywhere and everywhere. In Delhi, I got an office in Hoskhas, which is, I think, the most stupid decision ever. Paying rent through my nose, paying salaries through my nose, and on top of that, I decided I'm now I'm going to expand to Bombay. And Bombay, anyways, is a very expensive city. Even if you are in like not the town side, even if you are in the suburbs. You are still paying so much money for nothing. Nothing for a tiny pigeonhole. Yeah, pigeonhole. That's the sad story about Bombay. But no, no, no. I don't want pigeonholes, man. <laughs> I want a Taj Mahal for myself. <laughs> I end up getting a space in Worli, and I was like, yeah, I will afford wow. it, and I will make it happen. Wow. And within six months, paid six months of lock-in amount. It just uh, sounds like a recipe for fire fest. Yeah, yeah, it was that. I was basically the one of the co-founders of Firefest. Imagine me like that <laughs> <laughs> in that situation. Um, so it back backfired really bad. I was in a lot of debt. Uh, I one year in six months, I saw just you know this Rice. thing that I am going to be on the top. Mm. People are going to be scared of me. <laughs> I'm the best. And then came the downfall. Yeah, and then I had to slowly start you know cutting back on things. Do some layoffs, not have the Bombay office anymore, lose all that money that I worldly invested office, there. Right, the worldly right. office, oh, the Taj Mahal that I built myself. <laughs> Damn. Uh, for the first three months, we didn't even, didn't even have the money to furnish it. Okay. It was such a rash decision that I took <laughs> because you have to pay six months deposit. Right. Yeah. Which I wasn't aware of. Like, okay, we'll do it. But when the papers are being signed, I was like, now I have taken this decision. Now I can't back out. Yeah. I have to pay. Anyway, it happened. Now I feel it's a hindsight, great thing, brilliant thing. I learned so much from that one experience. From that one experience, Kaval, I can't even begin to tell you the. There were days where I cried. There were days I was so happy that who am I? <laughs> Why am I getting this account? Why am I getting this business? Mm. I was questioning myself, and at the same time, my ego was just like. Oh wow! I I can uh, relate to what you're saying in so many ways. Uh, and when it goes down, na, that that's when you're like, then you realize, oh shit! You get a you get slapped to reality. Yeah, and you know, then there are expectations built around you. Yeah, yeah. Because of course, you have built this thing yeah. for your own self, mm. so and obviously quickly. it's been caressing your ego all this while. Now that it's not, mm. how you react to it is the most important thing. Oh my god! Yeah. And then those six months, I was scared. I was like, I can't show my face to anyone. Damn. Uh, but that passed. Yeah. Like as things pass, bad things pass. It passed. Mm-hmm. By that time, I had a partner also, and I was like, buddy, I don't know what I want to do. I have zero idea, but I don't want to do this. <laughs> that hard talk. Yeah, it, that had to happen. There's a lot of. It's not you. It's me. It. It's not you. It's me. <laughs> Yeah, um, that happened, and it was really amicable. There was mm. no like you did this, you did that. Yeah, we mm. still had a business. Business was running, mm. though we were not making a lot of profit, mm. but we were sustaining. We were mm. a sustainable business. Uh-huh. But it was a business. It wasn't something that I wanted to do. Uh, I see. I didn't want to go to a dukan every day. Uh. Dukan is a shop, <laughs> and. Um, yeah and that's when i decided to move on and later you worked in mumbai as a creative producer yeah and last time we met you told me how that experience led you to an emotional and physical burnout yeah 
How did you lift yourself up uh, from that experience and what steps did you take to find a way forward? So for me, again, it was a really sad and dark phase in work and then a lot of work, a lot of recuperation from what is happening, what has happened. I decided to, you know, take up something that will give me joy. Mm-hmm. And that joy came out of working out. I started running. I ran 10 kilometers every day. I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get this out of my system and I will make it happen for myself no matter what. I put myself in this situation. I'm the only one who can get myself out of it. And running helped me heaps. And it opened up so many other avenues. I started modeling after that. I had a brief stint of a, like a career of a model for about a year because of my running. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, not too out there, but yeah, it was fun. I have seen a lot of people working in creative industry hmm. uh, struggle a lot with burnouts. Hmm. And it's such a common thing. And at the same time, it is something that only a few people are able to get out of properly. Hmm. They would rather search for an immediate solution. Yeah. Yeah. Um, running did help you. But hmm. what is your advice to somebody in that situation? I think just stop sometimes, smell the flowers. Have you watched uh, Bojack Horseman? Yes, I was just watching that before you came in. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know about uh, Mr. Peanut Butter? Yeah, yeah, I do. You seem like that kind of person. Yeah, I am that kind of a person. You are Peanut Butter? Okay. I am, I am Peanut Butter. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that says about me, but okay. Yeah. Um, yes, I, I think sometimes you just have to slow down. Mm. This is my advice to a lot of people that work with me now also. Don't be in a rush. Nothing good comes out of being in a rush. Sometimes you want things and just because you want them so bad, you end up doing things that you really didn't want to. And then the thing that you wanted, it might come to you, but you will not enjoy it. Because you were not mentally ready for it. You were not physically ready to have that thing, but you wanted it so bad that you did a lot of other things in the process. And that exhausted you. And now you can't enjoy the thing that you wanted. Now you can't enjoy exactly what I was thinking about. Yeah. And... uh, that's where I was like, okay, step back, take a breather, figure out who you are, what you want to be, and is this the legacy that you're building for yourself? You know you're not a quitter. Yeah. You have it in you to do this. You just don't know what you really want. And and then when I then when that happened, I was like, take it as it comes. Don't be in a rush. Things will happen. Don't let what's happening with X, what's happening with Y, bog you down. Because that's their life, that's their circumstances. Your circumstances are very different. You are your own person, you are not them. I mean, Hmm. you did take a lot of time to recover from all those experiences. Mm -hmm. But after that, when and how did you decide to take the next job and what was it? So I was financially exhausted also by that time. (laughs) (laughs) Too much break happened. Oh. I was like, I, gotta put a, I have to put a break to this break. Been there. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody has been there at some point in their life. Oh my God, that's like the... Uh, like yeah. that's when I had zero money. Mm. I had nothing left. Oh, now now there's only thing that can happen is you will go up now. That's, <laughs> that's exactly what I was looking forward to. I moved back to Delhi. Um, and what age were you then? 25, 25? I was 26. 26. Yes. Ah, I see. I think I met you at that time. Yes. Okay, I, I'll go back to the Airbnb story now quickly. I'll give a good connect. So while uh, I was working with Airbnb, again, the clients were blown away. 
mm-hmm. and the client was this really amazing uh, lady called Mona. Mm-hmm. And Mona's husband Mithen was there at the event, and I didn't know Mithen at that time. But over the years, I realized who Mithen was. Mithen is the COO at Times Internet. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And I was on a lookout. I reached out to him, like, "Hey, Mithen, I'm in Delhi." I'm looking for opportunities. If there's something, if somebody that you know, no, that's also an important thing. Reaching out to people, not being so shy about it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. very important. In my life, anything that I've done is again. I I'm from Rajouri Garden, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Only Kishu talks to Gurman, and Gurman <laughs> talks to Manpreet. That's all what happens. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I I went out of my way. I had to break that barrier mm-hmm. very early on in my life. I was like, no, I can't survive like this, especially in the field that I'm in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and every time I've been in a situation, every time I've faced this downward spiral in my life, I have reached out. Mm-hmm. And it's been the folks around me who've kind of helped me pick my pieces up, rebuild mm-hmm. me, and help me move on. And I'm really thankful. Like shout out to all the people that have been there. There are dark times that you know people enter in their lives. At that point in time, all you can do is reach out. That's the most important thing. The sorrier you feel for yourself, the darker deep. hole you're getting into, or the deeper hole you're digging yourself. Don't just reach out. Uh, and that's exactly what I did. I reached out to Mithen. I was like, "Hey, Mithen, not just Mithen. I reached out to ten thousand people. I was like, <laughs> somebody will reply, yeah. Right. Somebody will say, oh." How's it going? How's it going? I have few logos to be made or whatever. Yes. Mm. Uh, and he was like, nothing, just doing my thing, mm-hmm. which happens to be a lot of things considering his time's internet. Um, he introduced me to this really interesting uh, guy called Thane, Thane Richard. Thane Richard had moved to India from Detroit to take over Times Bridge, which was the international investment arm of Times Internet. So it was dealing with international publications. So if you have to explain it to uh, people, what, what would be so like? Times Bridge would invest in international setups and international startups, big international setups and startups in India through their media. So in exchange for media, mm-hmm. let's say twenty million dollars worth of media, we'll give you, and you give us twenty million dollars worth of stake in your company. Oh, interesting model. Just the, in India, these are the things that we do not. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know about this kind of thing. Equity is big, man. I know equity is big. Yeah. Equity is uh, the best way to get rich. Yeah. But at the same time, like I didn't know that you could sell media for that. Trade media for that. Media is amazing. The most expensive thing to buy. I should know this uh, since I ran a podcast. Wow, so ignorant yeah. of me. Media is insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So. Uh, they gave That's, you a job. They, no, it wasn't a job right away. I also wasn't really sure if I want a job. Mm-hmm. I was like, hey, Thane, let's meet. Mm-hmm. Thane sh- reached out to me on Twitter like, hey, man, I'm going to be in Bombay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be in Delhi this time. I'm going to be here this time. When do you want to meet? I was like, let's meet in Bombay. I'm here for these many days. And we ended up meeting in Bombay. It was a fruitful conversation. He's like, okay, come down. Let's have a chat. and i was in delhi next week we had a chat he gave me a big understanding of what he was trying to build with times bridge there were a lot of international publications vice half post uh, thrive right all of these international publications pc mag and what i had to do was i had to take up the creative mandates 
of all of these people like uh-huh. an illustration that needs to go out with a business insider article right or an event that needs to happen to launch thrive india mm-hmm. uh, things like this you figure it out how it's going to happen mm. and considering that i've been you know in this field for a while I'm like, okay fine this is Sounds simple like easy good. peasy yeah yeah i'll do it and i obviously wanted the money uh, so um, i was like i'll work as a consultant for the first two months and then let's see for the both of us how it pans out Right. I also don't want to overcommit and I also don't want to be in a place where this is not what yeah, I want to do. Yeah, I think it's a really good uh, way to start being a consultant. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, honestly. Somebody where you are unsure about something. Where you're testing waters, it's yeah. always good to be in a place where you can back out. Yeah. And you have to be upfront about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And he was cool with it. So we did that for two months. It went really well. And that's when I wasn't really going to their office. So it was a great, you know, gig for me where I... you know get to chill also at your own space yeah do things in my own space yeah. and my own leisure the best best thing about that is uh, you just have to dress up from a uh, belt above yeah, the basically. belt right like a shirt yeah like That's a shirt all I have to wear yeah and you can be on your box you yeah. know, nobody knows I nobody knows i don't have to wear anything <laughs> <laughs> uh and mostly things used to happen on google hangouts all right. the people used to you know come in on morning meetings So that that happened for about two three months, and then I was like, okay, this could be interesting. Let me take that step and join them. Uh, I joined them, and when I moved into that setup, I had never been a part of such a big corporate setup in my life before. Like I'd been part of Sachi and Sachi, but it wasn't as big. I as see. Times. It's also advertisement agency. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is a different kind of thing. different. This is you might be a minority in there. Yeah, yeah. I was pretty much. I would wear shorts to the office, and HR would send me a someone saying, "You're not allowed to wear shorts." I'm like, it's. 48 degrees outside. No, I am not going to wear pants. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of these things happened basically, and within three months, I was like, no, I can't let go of my shorts. <laughs> and yeah, uh, it was that just hard you, to adjust. You could say that's a short stay. Yeah, it was a short stay. It was a short stint with my shorts. Horrible. Horrible. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh but again learned a lot of things new things about the publishing world about the media world oh yeah uh met all these editor in chiefs of different publications hosted this adage gig with the adage editor in chief had all these big veterans of the advertising world where i had to ask them questions and i was like oh, okay. i don't know what to say <laughs> how do you add <laughs> yeah how do you add <laughs> yeah so after that you started uh the irregular arts fair with tarini city yes that's a kind of thing where you are not only working in a servicing world hmm. which you are accustomed to yeah you're creating a community can you tell us about the time when you decided to start that hmm. why and also what is it hmm. if you have to describe it okay um i'll start off with how i got into it yeah. and i'll tell you what it is um how it started um tarini was struggling with a squarespace website Like, can you help me with the website? I'm like, I'll see. Mm-hmm. And Tarni also happens to be my girlfriend. Uh, so for me, it was important that I draw a line between my personal life and professional life. If I'm working with you, we have mm-hmm. to be, you know, mm-hmm. okay with this that we are going to be doing this together. So I was always in that zone. I was like, I don't want to ruin this because mm-hmm. if we start working together, we might just mm-hmm. hate each other, and I don't want that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's very important. especially yeah, when you're yeah. in a relationship and you're doing things together it's important that you know that this is my boundary and mm-hmm. i'm not going to go beyond this i'm like okay cool i'll help you with the website 
and then came the social media posts and then came everything and anything around it and then by that time I was heavily vested I always had a knack for getting people together mm-hmm. I had these organizational skills I knew I had command over things I can speak with authority I can get things done because I had already done so many things by now so I was like okay let's just do it that's how I got involved with the irregular art fair what is the irregular art fair irregular art fair is india's first anti art fair okay it's not anti art it's anti art fair anti so okay. art fairs okay. ha- as an establishment okay art yeah. fair and anti art anti art fair okay. yes uh, establishments as art fairs art basels all these big ones have existed and the great like thank you for doing what you guys are doing they have existed since forever and there have been things that have existed on the fringe Uh-huh, fringes on the sides yeah. things have popped up at the same time let's talk about people who are not being represented at the big ones yeah let's showcase them uh and we're not anti india art fair or anti that art fair or anti that art fair we are just they, they are called anti art fairs it's a term it's an actual term it's an actual term okay. anti art fairs as a movement it has existed for a while okay. we just happen to be the first ones to be doing it here hmm. i also did not know this by the way I also got to know about it from Tarani. Okay. So it was her idea. It was her idea. Okay, just want to make clear. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Her, it's her right. She's the founder. I am the co-founder. Ah, I see. Um again, I for me it was more about design than art. I'd never been inclined towards art as such. Mm-hmm. But, you know, seeing the whole process my mind opened up. Mm. Like now that you see things in my room, like all these pieces are from the artists. Mm-hmm. that have exhibited and right. i bought these things off them because now i am so keen on mm. understanding of how this world works it's so, an economy in itself so this is something i should probably talk to tarini about uh, yeah. mostly but uh, how did you curate people so again as i said reach out whenever in doubt reach out mm-hmm. i had zero idea of how an art fair happens mm-hmm. so i was like what are the basics that you need it's an event right. it's an intellectual property Mm. So the event things need to be catered to first, right? Okay, which I think as a branding person, person you kind of know the basics know. you yeah. know. But again, there are so many things that you tend to miss out on. Right. Like logistically, when we did it for the first time, we were blown away. Every floor has to have two fire exits. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The regulations, most, most basic thing. And I was shocked. You have to have security because somebody might touch things that you don't want them to touch. Mm. some people might nick stuff away mm-hmm. you have to have licenses to play music you oh, have yeah. to have license for gathering of so many people mm. uh licenses and licenses and licenses so many of them that you have to figure out damn but how wow like i mean i know what exactly you are talking about and that's a nightmare for me if i ever have to do something like that that's yeah. my biggest worry yeah how do you discover these things uh by getting people notice yeah people just throw things at you man you get a call from the excise department you get a call from the police station you get a call at 1 am saying there's too much noise your truck will be confiscated I'm like oh my god what have i done <laughs> damn uh, so again a steep learning curve over there also i did not know what i was getting into mm-hmm. but again i have that attitude that i will figure it out mm, let's walk nothing is impossible let's just see it. yeah let's just see what happens and the first one basically happened like that let's just see what happens a lot of family a lot of friends came out supported us a lot of volunteers it was both the auditions have been primarily volunteer led and thank god they exist they are the most wonderful 
and the thing is this this is more of a community program there's no like we don't earn any money out of it we actually spend more than <laughs> what we have in our pockets on these yeah, kind of things I, i could guess i mean especially when you're starting out something like yeah. this hard to even make it uh, break even point is really hard to reach mm-hmm. um but again as i said people you know volunteering with their services and something that you skills. both enjoy also oh yeah 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 totally like now i have another practice that i run on the side that yeah, we'll not not on the side that. my real practice where i earn money um but this is something that i really really look forward to i'm like i am not going to work from november till january that's <laughs> that's my regular time <laughs> um so yeah like now it's been 3 almost 2 and a half years mm-hmm. uh this year we skipped out on the addition because of the socio political climate yeah. of our country and we didn't want to create any noise when there's so much commotion already yeah and also like this is the time when the attention should go there yeah precisely we didn't want to you know create unnecessary things in silos mm-hmm. but things don't really make sense for the listeners outside of india like just google india january 2020 december also december also you will find a lot of news it's sad uh, but again we believe in democracy and the power of democracy and we shall prevail things will yeah yeah so yeah uh, two editions have happened more than 250 artists have exhibited what's the craziest memory that you have oh my god there's so many man don't get me started <laughs> <laughs> it's mostly dealing with the cops but <laughs> um but really fun times uh, the kind of people that have come into my life have now become family and they're always there we always you know reach out to each other we did not know that people loved this kind of stuff so much we were just right. like let's do it we were not expecting for it to blow up or anything and it gets uh, momentum by itself yeah dude uh, 2019 we had 2500 people That's i was crazy. shocked we were scared also but i was like what <laughs> but th- this is uh, wow like i mean uh, this gives me stress just thinking about it how to organize something like this <laughs> oh it is very <laughs> stressful man you don't sleep we didn't mm. sleep for the 20 days before and the 6 days it was happening you we were just like oh, coffee <laughs> <laughs> but it's a very rewarding experience i have to say so along with the irregular art fair you are also a co-founder of a creative agency called bakeda yes. with arvid lithander yes and now you run the indian operation of bakeda right yes where and how did you meet arvid and how did you guys decide to start an agency together so i'm going to go back to sachin sachi in india oh arvid was that guy who came in from amsterdam bind kennedy oh so people coming back into your life yes reach out reach out that's all <laughs> you got to do man reach out but we had been friends since mm-hmm. uh, uh, he's a really lovely he's a swedish guy right he's a swedish guy and you know one of the most fun people who no matter what happens he has a positive outlook he has a positive approach i tend to get really cynical mm-hmm. and i start hating on people mm-hmm. and i start fighting but he's that person who you know there's a yin and yang i don't know what yin and what yang is but <laughs> i am well, the i'm the aggressive one he's the positive one <laughs> <laughs> right uh so that's that's how it you know kind of balances itself out but how do you decide to start a uh, funny story he had uh, quit his job at 72 and sunny which is another big independent right. agency network uh he was sick of it 
the NC world, he didn't want to answer to anyone. He was like, I'm, I'm going to be my own boss. So he reached out to me He's like, hey, I probably have this opportunity where we could reach out to this client in Singapore, uh, but I need an art director. Mm-hmm. And what are you doing? I'm like, I was not doing anything. I was just chilling. Irregulars art fair was the only thing that was keeping me afloat. Not monetarily, but uh, the, mentally. The <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was like, I'm not really doing anything. He's like, do you want to do this? We'll mm-hmm. figure it out. We'll have to work really hard first three, four months, but something will definitely come out of it. Again, the name situation happened. How do mm. we come up with the name? Um, he was sitting in Nepal, I guess, with his family at that time. He was on a vacation and he was looking at these two kukris. Kukris are these Nepalese knives. Yeah, they are, I think, the world Nepal. famous right now. Yeah, they're pretty big. So um, he was sitting there, he was looking at them and we were struggling with the name because Two days after that, we had to go and pitch to this mm-hmm. client mm-hmm. of what we can do to them or for them and to them also. Uh, <laughs> and we were breaking our heads over a name and he said, yo, what about Bakeda? So just some FYI, Bakeda is this place that used to exist about seven, eight years ago. Again, Sachi, probably more than that, Sachi time. M- modern day Blue Tokai Cafe inside the Lajab. Oh, in okay. Saket, uh-huh, where uh-huh. Champagali is. Right. So that shed used to be a space called Bakheda. I'd heard about that. Whose yes. was it? So Bakheda was run by seven people uh-huh. from different fields. Ruchir, my ex-colleague from Sachin Sachi, was one of the founders. There was Marina, who was from Wyden Kennedy, India. Uh, there's Jitain, who's still there, around mm. the corner. He's the one who actually made that place into mm. something. He mm. was the first one to enter that spot. Uh, he runs Jagmag Thela. So Jitain was one of the founders. There was this guy Varun from, he used to work at um, OLX uh, and three other people. I can't remember the names. These were the four people that I knew of. Mm-hmm. Um, and it used to be a fun place. It was like by friends, for friends. Yeah, I'd, uh, I was reading about it. Uh, I think it's around the time when I was looking out for my first job. Hmm. I don't know. I was just researching mm-hmm. New Delhi. It was way ahead of its time, I have to say, because now, like there's Oddbird Theatre, there are like alternative spaces that are coming up in Delhi where yeah. things are happening, cultural programming is happening. But at that time, that was the only venue. Mm. Uh, but with due course of time, you know, people started moving out of the city and nobody was really keen on keeping up with the space and the rent. Yeah, and it yeah. wasn't that... Uh, not making sense to keep it. It wasn't Champagali at that time, it was still... Yeah, so it was a solo It was space. a shed. Uh, yeah, uh, Champagali, I think, uh, runs because there are so many businesses. Yeah, now it's become like modern-day Hoskha's village. Yeah, to some extent. To they some they extent. hate uh, uh, people saying that. Yeah, I've heard, <laughs> I've heard. But, uh, yeah, but like, I mean, that, that kind of space, uh, I don't know what are those things called. I mean... They're urban villages. Yeah. Mm, so, Saidullah mm. Jab is an urban village. This, again, this is how gentrification happens. Uh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Sad, but at the same time, that's the harsh reality. reality. But that space was called Bakheda. Mm-hmm. So instantly I reached out to Jitain, I reached out to Ruchir. I was like, hey guys, you are the two people that I know. Mm. And I can ask this question. Do you think, do you mind if you use the name Bakheda? Are you guys still <laughs> contemplating doing that ever again in your life? And they're yeah. like, no, it's long gone. And okay. there it was Bakheda. But why Bakheda and what's what's a... Bakheda means ruckus in Hindi. Okay. You must have heard this heard sentence. Kya bakheda khada kar rakha hai? Yeah, what yeah. kind of rakas are you making? I generally know the Punjabi versions of these kind of sentences. Mm-hmm. But so yeah, it's, it's one of those. <laughs> it's one of those. It f- felt right. 
mm-hmm. because the people that we were pitching to uh, it's a really big uh, e-commerce platform in Singapore it's called Zilingo the clients are indians it was started by a bunch of indians so like maybe there would be some things that will resonate and obviously we are just both of us but <laughs> we are we yeah and we are here to create we, a ruckus we are bakheda we are bakheda and that's how it started we did not know where it's going to lead mm-hmm. uh we had certain ideas and him being from the writing side concept side strategy side and me being like from pure art production more visual visual yeah. it was the right match Mm-hmm. And again, I've had the business side of things also going on for me. He's also done the rounds of agencies. He knows what sells, what doesn't. Right. Uh, he knows how to schmooze the client. So we're like, okay, realities cater uh, to each other here. Yeah. Let's do it. And that's how it all started. And how has it been going on since far? It's, uh, it's been, been one year and eight months. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been quite a ride, man. It's been a slow one, but good thing it's slow. A uh, good like I'm so happy. I like my like that aggressive person is gone. No, it's a known fact that I have heard uh, from like a lot of people that you know the time they have tried to expand too soon, too fast. Mm. It's it has it backfires. It backfired. It crashed burned. But uh, the time people have tried to do sustainable growth, mm-hmm. that's the one that lasted. So that way is again age maturity that kind of helps. So this brings me to some of the questions or topics that hmm. my listeners have uh, suggested. Okay. So we we can take them one by one, I guess. So what you are talking about with age, you learn these hmm. things. What are the few life advice for young entrepreneurs that you would like to give that will help them? Take it slow. Like if you want to be aggressive with your approach when it comes to work, be aggressive. but don't take stupid nasty decisions in you know heat of the moment heat of the moment that is the worst thing that you can do to yourself be emotional it's important to be emotional but don't be emotional where you make an emotional fool out of yourself don't let the emotions take the best of you because when that happens you're not really making a rational decision that split second can decide your fate right then and there and as i said take it slow there is this is not a race If you want to survive for longer, take it easy. Yeah, and I think um, especially in India, like it is, uh, I've seen it more hmm. that people think somebody else's success will negatively impact your success. That's one reason I think uh, there's not a lot of um, apart from like people who know each other really hmm. well and they sit and chill with each other. There's not a lot of business exchange that happens. Or people working silos. Yeah. And also, it's a cutthroat, uh, what do you say, competition. Also, to some. Oh extent. yeah, we are very competitive. From the very first day that we go to school, our parents force us to, you know, have a rank in our class. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. are rank holder. <laughs> If you're not a rank holder, then you are worse than Sharma Ji's son. Yeah. And Bittu's marks are better than you. Then you're nothing. So th- that is instilled. That's the. Parenthood. But that's not how real world operates. Oh no, no, it doesn't. There's nobody to grade you. Hmm. and there's no grades as such and what about building the right team as an entrepreneur team is what makes an enterprise work you have to be sure the kind of people that you're hiring are going to stick around first of all the longevity is really low especially in this kind of an environment where tomorrow there is a better opportunity and somebody is willing to pay more that you can't afford people will bounce 
But when you build the right kind of environment, the right kind of setup, people want to stick around. If you respect them, they respect you. That's how you earn respect mm-hmm. in any kind of business, not just what we are doing or what we are talking about. Mm-hmm. Any kind of business that you're starting, respect the people that work with you because they are the ones who make you what you are. If it wasn't for them, you won't be able to make the decisions that you're making or to sit in that chair that you're sitting in. So for me, from my past experiences, I had just learned one thing. I will be respectful of my time and I will be respectful of the time that these people give to me. And as that sinks up, it takes a while, two months, three months, as that sinks up, you'd be the happiest person in that kind of a relationship. Both ways. That's true. My co-workers come to work at 9.30, we leave by 6.30. We don't want to talk to each other after that. Which is a quite rare thing. It's really difficult to do it also. Like I have to fight so know, many battles with the client because and of that. And also like change the attitude of uh, people who are working also. Oh yeah, yeah you're more productive. I, I have realized that. The time you cap the timings, yeah. people are way more productive. Because then you have these eight and a half, nine hours in a day that you have to get done with. Yeah. And sometimes it's about your time, not about your skill. I totally agree. Skill will happen with time. Yeah. The more time you'll give to discipline yourself, the better you will be. Yeah, somebody actually wanted to know how do you organize your time? I work with calendars. My day starts with my calendars from my workouts in the morning to my lunch time in the afternoon to my dinner. I, I used to uh, mock that at one point. <laughs> I used but to mock that too. <laughs> now, it is funny. Like I actually was going to tweet, it, you know, like I, I have become the calendar person that I used to hate. <laughs> yeah. It's very important because there's only finite amount of time you have in a day. Mm-hmm. And I think for your own mental sanity, it's important that you put things in boxes that this box, these many hours, these, this box, these many hours, this box, these many minutes. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you know that you will, you only need that much time to do that, you will be better at doing more things. Mm-hmm. You will get time to explore. Right. I never used to read. And I still like forget that I, used, I, I have to pick up a book and read. Mm. But because I put that in my calendar, you have scheduled it. If you don't do it, you're not gamifying your life. I I think of it <laughs> as a game. My life is a Interesting. game. Interesting. I have to level up mm. with this challenge that I've given myself. You might have seen a lot of uh, change in your productivity and overall well-being. Oh yeah, yeah totally. Yes. Like if it's not in my calendar, I don't want to deal with it. It's as simple as that. <laughs> it's not my problem then. <laughs> Makes sense. I tell everybody in the office also, like all my co-workers, all my colleagues know one thing. If you want to talk to me, even if you're sitting with each other, Mm. let's have it in the calendar because then I will appreciate you respecting my time Mm. and you making that effort that you have prepared for this meeting. Right. It uh, bugs me when you're working and somebody walks out to you and like... Oh, no, 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 no. I have my earphones in throughout the whole day. Uh, mm. (laughs) That's the best way to avoid people. Yeah, yeah. so about networking, of course you had spoken much about it during our yeah. discussion, but somebody wanted to know uh, for introverts, what would you suggest would be the best way to network? Some I think I did theatre, that helps. Theatre? Take, th- take up workshops, talking workshops, theatre workshops help you, like exercise in front of the mirror. For, I, I had a hard time talking to people and in fact uh, my whole family was pretty much concerned about the fact that I was too shy to approach anybody for anything if I have Mm. to get some 
like let's say license made or some kind of uh, document done even hmm. getting on a call was difficult and hmm. i read something about it there's something called protagonist uh, dilemma hmm if you have heard about it or not which is basically uh, everybody thinks they are the protagonist of their life yes you're not it's just because you are here you're you're inside your body you think that the world is around you mm. and for other people you don't matter mm. which is a good news yeah. because let's say you f- up or something happens they are not thinking about you 24/7 yeah. nobody cares yeah they have other things to bother yeah right and that gives a lot of courage to actually approach people even if it becomes kind of a uh, uh, little difficult to hmm. you know uh, navigate but still you know that it won't be a big deal i think just uh, for me uh, the only thing that helped me was reaching out as i said mm. if even if you can't have a conversation if you think that there is an ideal way of having a conversation push yourself to go beyond that Mm. ideal way of having a conversation <laughs> so um, there's somebody who is a common contact we mm. both know uh, mm. that person uh, she wants to know how to make the money you make and how to ask for it <laughs> that's the most difficult question man a lot of people uh, ask me this question um, and i'm thinking i'll probably start a business <laughs> around it itself <laughs> let yeah. me help you ask these difficult questions um i think i've been in very vulnerable situations in my life where i i have nothing to lose all i've got is me if i don't look out for myself it won't happen that put means. yourself first you are your priority you are your favorite best most important person uh, being in there those kind of situations as you described gives mm-hmm. you a lot of courage to be able to ask these kind of questions what will happen they'll say no right right if it's not happening it's not happening for better reason i feel there's mm. something out there that's in store for you just wait for it and I learning see. how to say no is the most important thing in our trade we get swayed away by our designers and artists are the most emotional people yeah that's true we end up making fools out of ourselves just by being so emotional if the client asks us can you please you know do one extra thing because <laughs> it look nice freebie uh, you will be like oh yeah yeah sure sure i'll do it because you want the project to look bigger and yeah. better that's so exciting yeah that's so exciting let's do it <laughs> no so, so stop doing that respect yourself respect mm. your trade respect your skills respect your time and the day you start respecting your time this day you know that you have to wash your clothes on a saturday and cook your meal by 7 pm you will know how much to charge <laughs> yeah yeah so you're not working 24/7 no i i avoid working i avoid opening my laptop after 7 pm i stick to iphone or my ipad and do, don't you think that uh, entrepreneurship and especially design entrepreneurship should be a part of design education i can't even begin to tell you how frustrated i am about this as i said a lot of people reach out to me with this question how do you ask for money or how do you make money or how do you you know making money is easy but making it work for you is the most important thing yeah like i mean uh, managing money like even after getting money and how to expand it it's very difficult for somebody who doesn't understand how business works right? it's a it's a tedious task and get, i think it's yeah get get a get a ca get a lawyer ask them questions if you're paying them money don't pay them for what they do mm-hmm. pay them to get more out of them Mm. Ask these questions. If you're paying someone to get something out of them, you have, you know, taken this decision because you didn't know. 
but we quite nice world. if in the design education they made you get a client hmm. and get money out of the client through mediated steps right that would be great i've actually asked a bunch of schools if they'd be interested in setting up you know a system where there is like a 3 week course just about this where all students do is entrepreneurship because there's no exposure to the real world so every year we have a class of interns this year the interns came in and i was like hey guys the most important thing that you guys need to learn is time management how do you make this time work for you and how do you deal with clients and if you figure that out it's easier after that and a lot of these people don't know like a recent incident where mood boards mood board is a really easy thing mm-hmm. to make for mm-hmm. me in my mind because i've been making them since forever um when i asked them to make mood boards they were completely distraught they spent two days three people which is uh combined yeah. 60 hours into making a 12 page mood board i was like guys like think at a very broad level that don't think about just your time three of you are working on this yeah consider it's that multiplied. like it's just going beyond what you can imagine mm. so as i said before also money and time go hand in hand the faster you understand that it'll happen for you yeah. i have actually had a conversation with a bunch of schools but they have not really gotten back to me a lot of people have asked me to teach and when i've seen the curriculum that they've been teaching i have said categorically no to them because that's not what i agree to that's not real world so ananth what's next what's next <laughs> um so bakeda is happening it's it's doing a lot of branding projects we do a lot of big commercial projects over there a lot of fun interesting illustration projects also uh what we are actually gearing up for is considering that we didn't do the regulars art fair this year we are hoping to do a much bigger edition next year where we can reach out to a bigger audience have more artists involved uh and basically make it a better one yeah and uh, probably come up with a consultancy to help people mm. understand how much to charge and i can charge them for this that sounds like a good business i love to i wish you best of luck for that and thanks for coming on the podcast thank you for having me kamal it was great If you find conversations like this valuable and want to help me bring you more content like this there are many ways you can support this podcast you can leave a review on the platform you're listening to this podcast on you can tell a friend about it or you can also share this podcast on social media you can also extend a financial support to know more about that visit designthisway.com Please know that I really appreciate your support and uh, if you have any comments feedback suggestion feel free to get in touch with me on social media or email you can get my email and social media links uh, on my website www.kaval.co in my next episode i have another interesting guest for you so see you soon